Listening to the Watt Cooler. Right. <laughs> that wasn't me. That wasn't me. Was it you, Cameron? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. My bad. I, for some reason, I thought it was Ryan just like whispering, just like. But yeah, how are you guys doing today? The water. <laughs> oh, I'm at the water cooler. I'm doing all right. It's funny that, uh, just one more quick thing. Fine, I, the minute you said the water, I was actually thinking, I was like, is that Cameron that actually says that at the opening? Yeah. That is you? Okay, me. just want to make sure. That's me, the water. Yeah, Cameron did the whole the whole song, so. Yeah, I know you're in the guitar. I, I hear the fruit, uh, the fruit, fruit, fruit of it. Making a new one. Thank you, I appreciate that. Probably make a new one for the next year. If you want. It's up to you. Definitely want to. Yeah. But yeah, how's, how'd your guys' Christmas go? It's Good. been a while. So it's been a week since that happened, so. Or watched, a few days. I watched uh, Empire Strikes Back and a bunch of Clone Wars episodes. Nice. Just just a Star Wars Christmas. It was just like a Star Wars day, yeah. I got myself uh, the new Star Wars Squadrons game um, on uh, Next Gen, so mm-hmm. pretty neat. Nice. A squadron that's on next gen it's not on yeah, regular it's optimized regular uh it is but it's it's optimized for next gen too okay because i've been playing a lot of that that new star wars the the dark souls what's it called uh, it's fallen the, order. yeah fallen order and um I, I don't know that's pretty cool like if you like dark souls it's like fallen order kind of fulfills like that that type of game for some people so it's kind of weird seeing a, a ginger and Jedi. No offense against gingers, but it's it's just kind of weird seeing that. But I don't know. You're like they only have half wow. a soul. What are they doing as a star of a soul again? <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> Bang. Yeah, yeah. I I didn't really do much. I just kind of socially distanced with my family, and I watched Soul, Pixar Soul, which uh, I was really excited for. So that's that's pretty. That's a pretty good film. Basically, if I were to describe it kind of perfectly it's basically just coco with black people not trying to be racist but i saw i kind of remember more of inside out i i see what you're saying with the afterlife thing but um i saw more of it is kind of like inside out kind of i think inside out is a little bit more simplistic compared to like coco or or uh or soul like i just said but i can i can definitely see how people can pull comparisons to that so what if they Especially. did Coco, but for white people? <laughs> like, I wonder, yeah, that's, that's got to be a 4chan post somewhere. Like, they should have a Black Panther for white people somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure that exists. Then the movie would be like five minutes long. Yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> it's just all the part with like Martin Freeman. It's just all the set, like him and and, and, um, and uh, Andy Serkis, basically. Right. <laughs> that's all it is. So it's like yeah. 15 minutes long. Yeah, that's that's crazy. <laughs> but uh, Ryan, how was your Christmas? Uh, my Christmas was pretty cool. Uh, did the whole social distancing thing from the family, which, you know, was unfortunate, but you got to do it, you know, better safe than sorry. And uh, my girlfriend and I just kind of took it easy. We just got a new dog a little bit ago. So we just uh, stayed home. It was pouring where we were at. So we just kind of stayed home, watched some Christmas movies, some old like just just for the hell of it. Like, oh, I got a Hulu now. Let's see, we got this. And they have the Hey Arnold Christmas special. Watch that, uh, you know. Oh, that's such a good Christmas special. Yeah, it's like, hey, kids, want to hear about Vietnam during Christmas? You know, <laughs> so. But no, watch watch that. And uh, watch just a bunch of Christmas movies. And we also watched Wonder Woman 84 and Soul. And then just took it easy, you know, just had a few drinks, made dinner, made breakfast, and took, you know, just hung out for the day, open presents, that whole thing. Do you like Wonder Woman? I liked it, and this is gonna be sound. This might be controversial. Um, I like the first Wonder Woman, but I wasn't in love with it. Not that it was a bad movie. I just, I just liked it. I wasn't blown away by it. I actually like this one more. That doesn't mean I love this one. I, I just like it more because it felt more like a comic book movie to me. Felt a little bit, but I understand all the gripes and all the complaints this movie gets. But I, I enjoyed it. You know, you it wasn't perfect. This movie compared to the first one, like, uh, kind of reaches out more creatively, does more things. Yeah, the first one seemed like, even though it was an interesting choice to make it World War One, I, I liked that, but beyond that, it just, it seemed to be just kind of like, I don't know, the, the first one, I still like it, it just 
didn't reach as far as it could have. You're, you're doing all this stuff with Greek mythology, but yet it just kind of stops at her fighting a guy in armor at the end. You could have had Cerberus walking around. You could have brought in some Greek mythology characters that are in Wonder Woman comics, but it was just like, we're fighting proto-Nazis. And I kind of saw that in Captain America already. And um, I, I still liked the movie. Like she was good and Chris Pine's good, but this one, I thought it felt more like Wonder Woman. And yeah, there's the campiness. And yeah, there are parts that kind of remind me a little bit of Superman 3. But still, I uh, I liked it. I wasn't blown away, but it was an enjoyable movie, you know? Nice. Should I, I still haven't seen either, so... Oh, okay. Should, should he watch both of them? I think, uh, I don't know. Marley's, I'll be 100% honest with you. Sometimes I can't read you on movies. There are times <laughs> like, oh, I'm, I know Marley loves this. And like fucking hate that book so i have trouble reading what, what, you sometimes what was the example what was well, the last toy time story I... toy story 4 to toy story 3 like that like i don't know i mean if you like toy story 3 more i get it but it had to hate toy story 4 i don't get that i just love Forky. i, I think so much. i don't know i i can't remember when the last time i i said i i hated toy story 4 i thought you said it didn't exist to me you said and i'm not trying to throw you under the bus or nothing yeah. you're not throwing me underneath the bus of course not Toy Story 4 should, uh, like, it doesn't exist to me. I'm not saying, like, it's a bad movie. Mm -hmm. I just think, I just see Toy Story as more of, like, a, as a trilogy. Like, it ends perfectly with three, and I kind of find four unnecessary. Mm -hmm. That's basically what I was saying there, but. No, I get you, I get you. The thing I liked about that one, I guess, it's just interesting. It, it seemed kind of like, that seemed more like for adults and kids, because just the idea of, like, Man, I've been doing this job my whole life. I dedicate my, but I'm not. I'm tired of doing it. So I just thought it was interesting seeing a kids movie. Like, hey, quit your job. Do do something else. You know. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, um, definitely kind of an interesting, like, little theme they added to it. But I'll, I'll check out Wonder Woman though. Like, uh, especially since I have HBO Max now, I can just watch both of them like back to back. But it's cool. Like the first one's cool because you know it does give that whole like I I get why it's a big deal and I get why some people liked it. Not and like I said, I liked it. I just wasn't I wasn't in love with it. And the other one, maybe the other one's more structurally and narratively all over the place, but just visually, it's more interesting and it felt more like Wonder Woman to me. I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned like Christmas movies. I had this big argument with my brother like on Christmas. Not like a bad argument but uh we started talking about die hard being oh, yeah. this comes up every year i know it does i just figured i'll bring it up like i he says he says it's like a christmas movie like 100 percent, and i think it's it's not a christmas movie not saying it's a bad movie but it just happens to be set during christmas it's just an action movie set during christmas like which camp do you fall in like cameron you can answer this too if you want so you go first, Cameron. I just yammered away about Wonder Woman uh, for the best five minutes. On the context, you know, I I think if you if you want to be technical here, you're thinking about a Christmas movie that's like more about Christmas, like its themes and whatnot, or just a movie that's that, like you said, just happens to be set during Christmas. Or what about movies that just remind you of Christmas? Like to me, Empire Strikes Back is a Christmas movie because it's got snow in the beginning of the movie. That's it. <laughs> some kid got an ATAT for Christmas at some point. Boom. Right there, you go. Automatic. But I hear what you're saying. If you if you don't think Die Hard is about Christmas, then you know. But it can still be a Christmas movie to people if uh, if they're nostalgic about you know watching it during that time. Mm -hmm. I feel like the movie originally wasn't intended to be a Christmas movie. Just the movie takes place at Christmas because the movie came out in July. So. That right there already says what it was intended to be, but it has all this Christmas music throughout it, has all this Christmas imagery, and they're always talking about how it's Christmas every five minutes. And it has this whole theme about trying to see your family for Christmas. And uh, I, I, I mean, oh, I, I, I think we all kind of like to joke around like best Christmas movies, you know, like Home Alone, Grinch You Stole Christmas, Charlie Brown, Die Hard, you know, and I think that deep down, probably not, but I think it has all the makings of a Christmas movie. If the movie actually came out in December, then I think it'd probably have a stronger defense, but it didn't. So I think people just kind of fashion it that way. I, I did like that I saw like somewhere, like someone made like, you, you guys know those, um, Gold Spine children books? I think so. The, yeah, the, the, vaguely. 
They're like those children books, like those picture books, and they have like a gold spine on them, and that's kind of like one of the anyway they're known for that. Anyway, someone did a diehard version of one of those, and I thought that was funny. So it was just like it was the night before Christmas, and John McClane went to the Takashima building, you know. So it's just kind of like you know, it's meant to be like a children's Christmas book, but it's you know, diehard. I never knew that was uh, a uh, topical. Uh, conversation to have is Die Hard a Christmas movie. I've never, I'm not familiar with that. I had that conversation with my mom like on Christmas Eve because we did a Skype call. And even though I knew that she was kind of right, I was just kind of fucking with her saying, no, I think it kind of is a Christmas movie, you know, <laughs> just to fuck and, with her a little bit. But the first Die Hard? Yeah. I mean, the first two Die Hards are at Christmas. Each one's on a holiday. First two are Christmas. Second, the third one's, I think, on. Memorial Day or Labor Day, the fourth one's on Fourth of July, and the fifth one is actually not on a holiday, so but the fifth one sucks. So. <laughs> fifth one is Live Free or Die Hard, right? That's the fourth one. I actually like that one. It's not perfect, but I like that. I, one. I like it too. Like it, Justin Long is kind of weird in it, but yeah, the fifth one where they go to Russia and he has his bitch ass son with him. Oh yeah, that one. The, the I forget the the son. It's the son was in Terminator, wasn't he? Is the uh, <sighs> I think he was that guy who was like he was really big for like two years and he was in about every big action movie. He was like I think in actually no, he, I'm, I'm confusing him. He was the guy that Avatar or is he is he Jai Courtney because they kind of both pop up. It's Jai him. Courtney, yeah, Jai, Jai Courtney. Courtney. You just you just said his name and I just was like yeah, and like that asshole. I'm thinking of the Avatar guy too, just by your description. Yeah, going back to like Christmas movies, I, I feel like the most important thing that like whether it's a Christmas movie or not is like whether it like you feel like it's a Christmas movie, whether you get together with your, your family or like friends and around on Christmas and watch like a certain movie and you just make that a tradition. Uh, Like when you like see like that movie, like on your shelf, you're like, Oh, I remember watching that around Christmas and like, let's make that a tradition. I feel like that is what could make it a Christmas movie too. So Die Hard on Christmas has become somewhat of more recent tradition in our family. So I, I guess by this point, it kind of is a Christmas movie, really. Oh, Christmas all around. Yeah. Dunkirk's a Christmas movie, no? Yeah, exactly. With us. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really brings uh, in the jolly spirit. <laughs> it really brings in that jolly spirit that just war is just hell. So, uh, but yeah, Dunkirk. Uh, we're talking about that th- this week. This is second to last film of Christopher Nolan's filmography. And next week we'll be talking about Tenet. But yeah, Cameron, what'd you think of Dunkirk? I liked it. Uh, it was my first time watching it. I thought it was really uh, interesting. Definitely different for a Nolan film, right? Definitely like the most different Nolan film we've watched. It's his first historical like picture. So Yeah, and like there's no uh, characterization or character development. I don't know what you would say. Or it's not nearly as much of it with these characters, you know? Mm-hmm. And just uh, really centered around the events that happened. Or, I mean, I do I do like the uh, following sort of three different timelines. And they all cross paths. And it gets really, really uh, intense. Mm-hmm. Oh, the whole movie is just intense and nerve-wracking. And yet, not that joyful. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I think at the end, like, there, there's definitely, like, we obviously all know how it ends. Like, Dunkirk is 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 about, like, the event where Britain, French, and Dutch soldiers all get saved after being trapped by the Germans. And I think what I really liked about this film, especially the second time around, is, like, obviously this film is about, like, the event of, like, of just saving 300,000, like, like British soldier soldiers from death is that I like that. uh, I like that Nolan just focuses on that because too many like war films, like now, especially war films that come out recently, they always have like these dialogue between two characters of like, Oh, what are you going to do when you get, get back home? Yeah, man, war is hell. You don't really get any of that. I find that it just, it lets you focus a little bit more on like, the actual event that mm-hmm. actually happened and just uh it just feels like you're in it not so it's, attached it, to the characters so it's more mm-hmm. like you're attached to the events that are happening because mm-hmm. like yeah. what else are you gonna what else are you gonna hold on to besides tom hardy's face which is masked most of the film 
Yeah, except uh, t- towards the end. <laughs> yeah. like, hey, Tom, we want you to feel comfortable. It is a Chris Nolan movie, after all. <laughs> when it when it did come out, I remember hearing buzz that Harry Styles was in it. So when I watched it, I'm like, which one's Harry Styles? And then they're all on the ship. I'm low. I'm like, I know Harry's in this one, but they all look like Harry Styles. What could be? And I didn't. I didn't really know what he looked like. So. I think I Googled it. I think I know which one he was, but I thought that was funny. He was the younger one, guy, wasn't he? He's yeah. the guy that's kind of, he wasn't the guy that we started with, but he's the guy that is with uh, the main character, or one of the main characters, I guess, on the uh, train at the end. He's the guy sitting opposite yeah. of him, and he's like, ah, what do we do? And um, But to be to be 100% honest with you, the second you get all those, we'll just jumping ahead a little bit, but when you get all the British guys hiding out in the boat at mm-hmm. that moment, I'm like, I don't know who is who anymore, especially when they're all the oils all over their faces. Like, did the French guy die? Is is that one Harry Styles? Is that one the main guy? I forgot. It. No, that's 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 the main guy. Okay, you know. That scene was weird to me. I don't know why. It, it it's the sort of narration of the film and how the events move. And when you're in that boat, you're just in that boat, and you know the anxiety that they have is going out there. And I felt that it's like I felt that same anxiety, but I was also kind of a little bit annoyed. Because I didn't know what was going on, and then it all came to fruition, you know. But I think that could possibly be like what no one was going for too. Is especially all, most directors that direct like a war film, they like this whole mis- mysterious kind of. I've never been in the military, but like, like I know plenty of people that have been, and like I hear like when like when you hear like shots fired, you're immediately kind of like looking around, obviously to see like uh to, to try and see where like it's coming from and there's like this moment of like mystery where it's like shit i'm getting fired at but i don't know i don't know where the shots are coming from and i feel like nolan might have been kind of trying to tap into that like sort of effect am i reaching a little bit through there too much there or? i think what you're saying makes sense it, really disorienting and all that Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes kind of a disorienting effect, but um, pretty much the entire film, we only know what what the soldiers know, and that's like what we see in front of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what I thought was interesting is most war movies have like that moment where they're okay. How are we going to work around this? What are we going to do? How are we going to get back at these bastards? You know, but the movie, we don't even really see the Germans. We don't really see them until they're oh, out of focus yeah. behind Tom Hardy at the end. They're like this kind of mysterious force that's out there that they're so trying they're to not, keep away from. They're not the antagonist then, right? Would you say that? I'd say they're Would you say the antagonist in this in this setting of cinematic masterpiece. I'm not trying to sound too like artsy, but I think it's almost meant to be this thing because everyone's just desperate to get out of there. And the second everyone starts working more together rather than out for themselves is when things start to pan out more. What did you so say? Was? Oh sorry. Well, I think so. I think it's kind of like meant to be like once they work together and get past themselves and focus on the group, that's where things start to come together more. And the Nazis are more of just this force they got to deal with. So the antagonist is like a concept is what you're saying. I think so. I mean, I'm not trying to be too, I'm not trying to get too like art school with it. I'd agree. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, I would agree with that too, just because we obviously know who the actual antagonist is for, based on history, just because right. like that's the Germans. And I can I can see I can I can agree with you, Ryan. But really like, in no part of the film is it like are these characters that we're following are really battling this antagonist. It's a different antagonist that they're battling throughout. Like Ryan put and probably like just time itself. Just kind of like ego and fear and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Because especially since like film like this, where you basically already know the ending, you you do need to have like that antagonist of like, are they going to make it out alive? Like them rush kind of battling time and stuff like that. Because at uh, the end, yeah, like the guy said, we just survived, right? mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's uh, (laughs) a. That's all they had to do was survive. Yeah, exactly. But all that uh, not much stakes, but yeah. in, in in the end, a lot of stakes. So I mean, their life, yeah, yeah. I think as seeing this movie now, it kind of put like the number of people like in perspective of like three hundred thousand people saved, just because 
like not to bring this subject up again. We don't have to talk about it that much, but they saved more people than COVID nineteen has killed people this year, which is kind of like I don't know. We won't. We we can't. We don't have to talk about it that much, but that's kind of a crazy number in perspective. So, well, it's also um, just the whole thing with that kind of going back to like you see kind of how people are reacting at the beginning and you see certain people being kind of more calm. And then by the end, they're just kind of like straight up, like freaked out and shell shocked. When you first see like Killian Murphy Murphy and he's being pulled out of the boat and he's just this guy like, Oh, this poor guy seems so like freaked out and shell shocked and all that. Then you have a flashback like, Oh, this is doing Mm -hmm. some kind of like Tarantino like time thing. And I'm sure anytime a director does a time thing and someone says Tarantino, like she's not the only one to do it, but you know what I mean? The second you have flashback and you see he's on a boat like, lads, you're fine. You have your own life jackets. There's more boats coming. Just go back to the beach like everyone else. You see he's just way more calm about it because he just didn't go through what they went through. So it's easy to be very dismissive of it. So I, I, it's kind of interesting because this is also like part of the, one of the shortest Christopher Nolan movies made since Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Probably the, mo- the most effective one, in my opinion, though. Yeah, it definitely gets its point across and like pretty clearly like most like most war films just say just another reminder of war as hell. And what do you think the uh, the overall uh, message he's trying to tell people, though, is you think you think there is one? Because, I mean, every war movie's got one, right? Kind of like something about about maybe our, our government or our society in a way, you know? From what I got from it, sorry, Ryan. Oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, what I got from it, especially after seeing that Peter Jackson war film, uh, is that it's always good to to see everyone's side. Like, I like that he has like three alternating like uh, like st- storylines or just paths like in in this film, and each person like is taking like this the this uh, this war and like in like a different way, but they're all kind of trying to get to the same re- result it, and uh, is to save like all these uh, individuals. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, that's what I got from it. Like, but I'm not sure if that's actual theme, but yeah, I kind of, um, I think when it, it ultimately comes down to like, only way you're going to get through it is together. Cause it's when, cause there's that point where when, when the story starts to collide and you kind of realize, Oh wait, this is, the same story just from this guy's perspective or these people's perspective when there you have that part where you have the uh the guys with the boat we're like we're just going to go to dunkirk and try and pick some people up because it's the right thing to do they don't have a hope otherwise and as it goes on you see the dad never changes his mind i think he i think that was mark rylance or whatever yeah mike rylance yeah mike rylance i i believe he he never changes his opinion and there's that moment where uh, Tom Killian accidentally kills George, the, the kid, and just by accident. And then the ki- the other kid, uh, Peter, played by uh, Tom uh, Glein Carney, he immediately is just like, "We already lost someone. We, we got to turn." He's already a little bit more apprehensive, like because they see him, they see someone coming in. He says, "We got we got to turn back. We got somebody." He says, "No, we're going through. We're going through." And then once they go through and they start pulling people aboard their boat that's where you even see like, you know, Killian Murphy suddenly gets a pair and starts actually helping out mm-hmm. and all that. I see it's just something we're trying to show that like, you know, we can try to make it out on our, by ourselves, but at the, when we're just trying to step over each other, it just ends up making it worse. I think it's ultimately the main message of the movie, but you know, maybe there's more to it than that. I have probably a lot of things to it. It seems to me that this one's really about, about the warfare. And at least that's what we, we see is completely complete warfare pretty much but it's not all like sort of idolized and like not all of it is guns ablaze and you know it's really just everyone trying to survive what i appreciate about this film the most is like the way this film starts it it just drops you in there and like from the get-go like since it dropped i love it when films just drop you into the world just because like especially a film like this it's just like that that just uh, clues in my brain just be like okay i'm in this shit together with like all these with all these characters and all these individuals so every every punch that christopher nolan is throwing at me i'm feeling along with the characters so i feel like that was like really effective for him to just drop us in just like with no with no development or or anything like that something else that seemed kind of like because oh, i'll be honest you could put this movie on 
And if you didn't tell me it was a Christopher Nolan movie, I probably wouldn't know right off the bat. When you start looking for it, like, oh, I see the Nolan-ness of it all. Something that stood, stands out to me is, I, I really don't know um, a good way to describe it exactly, but all, a lot of his movies usually have some interesting kind of, like, a lot, a lot more of his sci-fi movies have, like, some interesting, like, locations and set pieces. And they're not always, like, oh, like, blatantly sci-fi. Just something you don't see right away. Like, I didn't see it. But Tenet, like somewhere in Tenet, you see there's windmills out in the middle of the ocean. Like, I know that that's not like Star Wars level sci-fi, but something you don't see too often. Uh, Prestige, when they come across Tesla's device for the first time, you have all those rows of light bulbs everywhere, which is not like crazy space stuff. But at the same time, just something you don't see all the time, but still looks somewhat toned down. Yeah. Yeah. And in this movie, even though it's all real world stuff, the image of like empty streets and just a couple people walking by him with nothing there and just like paper falling from the sky. That seems like a very Christopher Nolan type of image right there. Mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan image that I got from this film, like that was just absolutely breathtaking to me is just seeing like all the soldiers like on that beach, like all at once. And like uh, my the... filmmaker brain kicked in at that point, like just thinking like, how do you like, communicate with all these hundreds to thousands of soldiers like all at once and just get them all in uh, at the shot at the same time and some of them are actually doing stuff are you seeing the soldiers on the beach like in separate rows or everyone lined up in that one long row before they get bombed like i would say i would say both of them but mainly all the ones that are lined up like on the beach Mm -hmm. i heard that he was so against trying to use cg and trying to make it look as authentic and real as possible a lot of times when you have those rows of people back there, a lot of those were cutouts and he had a couple people in different spots moving around. So to kind of throw you off. So it wouldn't look like it. I like the commitment. Mm-hmm. I always appreciate the use of practical effects. Mm-hmm. Just the use of practical effects is like, is just like a huge, like, it just feels so Nolan, like in this film where it's like, he's like, no, there's no CG sets. Like Ryan said, no, like no CGI. It's just like, it just made it feel like it just added to the effect of just like we were there. The warfare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No CGI Jabba. <laughs> <laughs> With Harrison Ford to walk around and step on his tail. <laughs> that would just that would just be awkward. I'm just like, what are you what are you doing here, freaking Harrison Ford? And he's like, well, uh, I, I fought on these lines. Well, young Harrison lines. Ford will actually probably play Tom Hardy's part. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I think so. Am I right? Can you do an accent? (laughs) Not if George Lucas made this movie. He's trying to get Harrison. Yeah, George Lucas. This is the George Lucas cut. We have like the Snyder cut, then we have the Lucas cut. (laughs) But I see it. I still want that four-hour revenge cut. (laughs) Anyway, Dunkirk was powerful. I felt like Dunkirk was most definitely most effective when it comes to. just being a war movie, you know, being inside of it. And, and there's like no heroes in the movie. There's no one that stands out as like the guy that, you know, does a really outstanding, courageous thing. Then uh, all Tom Hardy. Yeah, true. But he's not like idolized, you know, yeah. he's cheer is going down, but he came down solo. No one was around him and he gets captured by a German team. You know, it's a pretty thankless job when it comes yeah. down to it. Right. Yeah. And, uh, just overall, it's like it's not like he's like a symbol of uh, heroism. He's he's trying to survive the whole freaking time too. Like with with his gas gauge broken, and you know, ultimately not knowing when he's going to go down or not. And uh, I thought that ultimately leads to the theme of the film being just uh, surviving, and that not everybody's most not most soldiers are are war heroes you know what i mean mm-hmm. they're mainly survivors i'm sure i'm sure more than a few of them think of it that way do you guys know how um accurate the movie is I'm, I'm, i don't know myself i'm just curious i'm i'm not too i'm not much of a history buff you know i can't say that the events there happened or not or i can't i wouldn't be able to uh you know point at anything and be like that that's contradictory you know when when I approach like movies like this, especially, I I always go into with the mindset I never, I never do like my research before, 
I kind of, I kind of go in cold like I go see other movies just because I I, I assume that like movies like this are uh, like they do their they do their research and they have historians historians working on it for them just fact checking and getting everything right mm-hmm. so I I just kind of take I just take the movie movie's word for it or visuals for it at least and just kind of make my assessment on that he had actual physicists work on interstellar with him i imagine he did a little homework for this you know yeah for sure i just pulled something up and not reading too much into it the um just a quick little blip says uh different uh historians say this seems very accurate there's maybe a few things here and there but majority of it's pretty on point just going off this one firming just my going off the headline really film. way to go i like what was that Cameron? i have information on my subjective opinion no right (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i don't know there's always there's always someone out there since christopher nolan is a british american filmmaker maybe he's probably skewing like this film like on the side of the british kind of making more like heroes but obviously not because he obviously seemed pretty subjective on on uh on this movie just because like you, like you said, Cameron, no like, really- yeah, you're you're really encapsulated by the feeling that because that there's no background, there's no character, you're not really attached to the characters from what they tell you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, yeah. we don't know anything about these guys? Most we don't even know their names on most of them, right? Mm-hmm. It's just that guy that kind of kind of looks like everyone else. I do like how the movie says gets certain things across without saying a whole lot of anything, like. Because when he first comes, because, you know, when you first see them coming through that town and, you know, the one guy is trying to get water out of a hose, it's not working. The other guy is reaching into a window and grabbing, like, the last stub of a cigarette, you I'm know. I'm pretty sure that one guy was trying to drop one, right? Oh, he was trying to drop one when we got to the beach, but then, like, he saw somebody was digging their buddy. And naturally, you, I assume the same thing. Like, oh, that's his friend that he's burying. And you realize, oh, oh, no, he's trying to steal that cost he's trying to steal that uh, that, uh, uniform and get aboard Mm -hmm. so i just liked how it didn't really have to hold your it didn't really hold your hand like i let you kind of piece it together as it moved along and i appreciate that yeah it's it feels like a much more i don't know how to put it but like an open narrative or like a wide narrative i don't know it's just we never seen nolan do a war movie and i think i think he pulled it off yeah for sure and I, I was kind of thinking about this, like watching watching this film too. Is that it seems like every big filmmaker, like when they get to this point, they always have to like make like their war movie, like Steven Spielberg, right. Saving Private Ryan. I, I won't bring that. No, I won't. I, I'm um, going to say Pearl Harbor with Michael Bay, but, <laughs> but the greatest <laughs> World War II movie ever made. Uh, Pearl Harbor. Peter Jackson, Thou Shall Not Be Named, and. I'm sure there's plenty others. So it's just interesting that filmmakers feel like they like once once they make it, it's like let's make our my war movie, right? Yeah, because you know um, tickets for one. What was that? You know, you know it's gonna sell tickets. Yeah, for sure. Um, but well, you mean more clicks and or streamies or whatever. I don't know. What would you call it? You call it views? <laughs> Get more buzz when I feel like uh, when the World War movie comes out. Yeah. At least because you get you get pretty much every single audience member like in those seats or or logging in or whatever. But um, I mean, I know we 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 used to work at a theater in a more rural area, and most of our audience were old white people. Every, <laughs> every time there was a war movie, sell out opening weekend. Every show it doesn't matter how good or how bad the war movie was. It was just boom war movie you get the boomers in boom when you live in a boomer town man that's i remember seeing lone survivor back in god yeah i don't i don't hate that movie but here's the one single one survivor i remember seeing that movie and it's this total hoorah hoorah marines kind of movie right and when you get to the end i remember like as soon as the credits happen you hear off in the distance the <laughs> Everyone just stands up and applauding the movie. Like, okay, all right, they like the movie, cool. And then we turn around, and then the theater is just trash, just popcorn, rappers. Every you think the new Smurfs movie just got out, and you think all these people are like, in honor of this movie in celebration of America, dump the fucking <laughs> shit on the ground. <laughs> Woo! 
drinking beer. <laughs> it's just such like America. Like, first off, what are all these old what are all these old ass people doing eating this much fucking junk food? This shit's gonna fucking kill them right here. And then you just see like they're probably have a fucking stroke or something, and they're just this whole like USA, USA, fuck this. Just throw the shit on the ground and just bounce out, you know. You could tell by the amount of garbage how into it people were, you know? Because they eat more. Yeah. Yeah. Just like just Or, or whether it was a kid's movie too. Yeah, that sure. Yeah. But like when it comes to the adult movies, you know, the ones that are clean are always like the freaking what was that one movie uh, where the late where that like college girl goes to like Sweden on it and it was like a big ass trip. Uh, the same. Well, that could be any white girl movie. <laughs> it was white girl like goes a trippy to Sweden. Movie. It was like it was a, a scary movie. It was like a scary trippy movie. The the same guy, guy who did Hereditary did this one. Oh oh oh. oh yeah, midsummer. Yeah, midsummer. When that one came out, you know, every like most of the time, the show, t- the the theaters were relatively clean, uh, cleaner than most. You know what I mean? I don't want to sound snobby, but I could imagine it being kind of like mid that that guy. I never, I haven't seen that movie, but I know that's a real like art school, right. like no, that's filmmaker, more, more artsy, independent movies. People are are more clean, and is what I'm saying, and uh, kind of the bigger. You know, like yeah, like Lone Survivor. It's not not a great movie, but it, when when you get the audience and you know when you hook, line, and sinker them, they're eating the shit out of that popcorn. Mm-hmm. Right. I would assume I would I would like to see like the data on this, but like I wonder like art movies like Midsummer, since mostly like art students or film students are seeing that film anyways. Like the ones that the film students that, that I know, they don't necessarily buy popcorn or like soda. They're just going to the movie just to like watch it. Right. So I, I would like to see like that data of like whether they're they're actually buying popcorn to actually make a mess. But as we know, like Lone Survivor, like all the boomers that have like their pension, they're 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 getting ready to like blow their or, uh, or yeah, or the, the kid that's about to, you know, go to basic training or something like that. Yeah. I remember so. going to see like it's kind of funny. I mean I went to go see uh, my girlfriend. I went to go to the Alamo Draft House, which is, you know, that's cool, fun, you know, like, like theater for like, like movie fans. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, let's get some cool nachos, all this crazy, you know, food truck type food all over the menu and beers, this and that. And like, let's go see Boy Erased. And it's like this movie about like, about this kid going to like a conversion camp, you know, Christian conversion camp to make him not gay anymore. I'm like, Oh, this feels weird ordering like flaming hot wings, watching this movie where Flea from the Chili Peppers is like threatening to kill the kid if he ever kisses another man or something, you know? <laughs> watch a movie, Flea's in it, but I don't want to get like weird vibes because that doesn't sound like Flea. No, it's not Flea. I was just, I didn't even know he was going to be in. I was like, oh, Flea's in this. Like, oh, he's not a good guy. Yeah. Like, back to the future, Flea, I feel like that is totally Flea. Oh yeah, or, yeah. Back to the Back to the Future too. Uh, um, oh yeah, <laughs> the guy he the guy calling McFly chicken. It could have been it could have been like a tie-in. Could have been that guy. Yeah, the guy yes. calling chicken or whatever. Yeah. Right. He's like, he's like, what are you, McFly? What are you, chicken? <laughs> so, I don't know, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's that one cartoon he was in? That he was. He, like, wait, voiced, he was in a cartoon? He voiced uh, the little monkey dude in the Wild Thornberries. He, that was him? Huh. Wait, no. Donnie, he voiced Donnie? That's yep, that's Flea. He's Donnie. 100. He's mind blown. <laughs> you didn't know that? <laughs> no, I, no, I didn't know yeah, that. That's Flea. That had to be an easy role, though. Like, what's your motivation in this? I don't know. He just did a line of cocaine. Cool. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's a funky-ass bass player in... I remember watching one of their live shows on YouTube and, and in between one of their songs, he does this weird sound, of, like one of those sounds that, that Donnie was doing or whatever his name was. And I'm like, whoa, is he Donnie? And I had to like look it up as IMBD. I'm doing that right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> that was such a good show, like growing up. Well, Thornberries. It was weird. It was weird to me, but I like Nigel Thornberry. Gosh. It was, so, it, it was such a weird balance of like entertainment, but also education. Mm-hmm. And just, trying to walk that middle line. Yeah, the walk that middle line. Like most, like most kids shows from back then, like the Magic School Bus. It was like 
yeah, they're entertaining, but clearly they're here for education. But like, I feel like the Wild Thornberries was kind of like, like right in the middle of like entertaining, but you're also learning something too. Mm-hmm. But, but I don't know. But yeah, I guess like like I said, next next podcast will be Tenant. Like, how excited are we to actually finally see this film now? I think I'll I'm more. relatively chill about it. Yeah, I'm pretty excited just because I've had the opportunity to actually see this film in theaters. I was tempted to like actually like pay the hundred dollars to rent out a theater just to see this film, but I was like, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna even bother. But, but yeah. I'll be a little bit more excited when it's available to rent instead of just buy only. Uh, can't you rent it right now? I think it's still only rent only, but I'll watch it regardless. Oh, it's it's like that twenty bucks. Like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll still watch it regardless. But that's kind of like a. I know they're trying to get their money back for, especially since January fifth. It's it's will be able to rent on January fifth. Yo, I'm excited. That it's going to be like ceremonial. Yeah, watch all of his filmography. It's the only one of his movies I haven't seen yet, so I'm looking forward to it. I actually haven't seen the film. Oh, we all haven't seen it. Oh, it wasn't wasn't like a big studio film. Yeah, I like that you said that. Um, it's it's like it's going to be ceremonial. We watched all of his films like up to this point, just to lead up to this, and it's like we finally made it, you guys. We finally made it. Mm-hmm. We should uh, send a letter with or a, a picture of all our faces to Christopher Nolan <laughs> and sign them. I wonder what he would say. He doesn't need to know why or how. Just a picture of our faces. He just throw it in the pile. There's just a whole other bunch of podcasts. uh... (laughs) (laughs) It's like he gets the email and it's just like all the other ones are just like, hey, I did a podcast of your movies. And he's just like, it's like a thousand long and shit like that. I don't know. And he's just like, oh, fine. I'm like guys, like I'm, he's like guys. I'm not that great. Like, <laughs> what if no one actually? What if no one actually thought like he wasn't that great? I'm but just okay. <laughs> like, or just the idea of like I like to imagine eventually because I imagine directors listen to what fans have to say other than just movie critics. I, I imagine they do that. So I just like to imagine like on the chance he listens to this, he's like. Part way through, they start talking about the fucking wild thornberries. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Fuck. We really went <laughs> down. Right? Damn it! <laughs> it was it was all because they brought up flea. That's that's the <laughs> reason. Flea did it again. It's always about flea. Or or know what? He was like he or he could be like saying, "Well, who's this flea guy?" Hmm. Who flea calls is. flea, and that then flea is in his next movie. Whoa. If Flea is in his next movie, I'll give you a hundred dollars. Really? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Would you pull connection from this podcast and oh, say like, "Well, dang, <laughs> Marley called it." Yeah, dang, Marley has like the inside inside scoop on on freaking Nolan. He mu- he must have his phone number. I'm like, <laughs> he must have his phone number. <laughs> Some point in the movie, Flea's like, "I'm going to go to the water cooler." Oh, oh shit! We're losing our minds over here. Right, just losing, just losing our minds. I guess we should probably end this before we lose our minds completely. But uh, <laughs> I mean, keep yeah. go somewhere you already are. Right, yeah, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, next podcast is Tenet and the season finale of the. How would we rate this amongst the? Oh other- yeah, that's that, that's a good point. Uh, rate. Dunkirk? Yeah. I don't I I think it's one's pretty difficult cuz it's like not like any other Nolan films, but but I'd put it up there in one of in, you know, close to his top. I honestly would give this like an A minus just because seeing it on IMAX, I remember just the sound and just the picture quality was just absolutely like breathtaking. Like obviously the picture quality is going to be breathtaking cuz like of what he filmed it on, but just like I love that the sound of this film, like the score and just like, especially like when Tom Hardy shot down like that plane. I like that you didn't hear the traditional like the of a plane going down sound. Mm-hmm. You, you didn't hear anything until it hit the water. And I'm like, that's ba- like, that's basically what he oh, would. Uh, 
everyone gets up in the movie and starts clapping. Right, exactly. <laughs> right after that scene. Yeah. After all the trash can uh, celebration. Yeah. Oh. But um, I, I'm not sure if I would put this up against like any other, any of his other like films just because it's so different. That's why I would give it an A minus, but. I'm right there with you. What about you, Ryan? I am um, going to be the odd one out here. I'd probably just give it like maybe like a solid B or B plus. Not because, I mean, the movie is expertly made and looks fantastic, but it's not like one of those movies I feel like I can just turn on and enjoy, you know, because it is a slow movie. And once you realize where it's all going, it's all like, because a lot of it's just tension. Like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. But once you realize where it's all going to, we're all like, you know, they're going to be out of it okay. It was the second time you watch it. Then, tension's not as there as much but it's still a good movie it's just not a movie i feel like i can watch over and over again and i could probably even say it's probably more well made than other movies i like by him but i i'd still give this movie like probably like a b plus you know mm-hmm. it's a no, i like i like that point of view yeah for sure Probably not i mean for one it being a pretty dense subject is that fair to say yeah yeah i mean you know, it's it, not as tense as like someone saying oh i just had a bad day let's put on like schindler's list to feel better but it's like not as intense as that but it's still like a tense movie so it's like you got to be just for like more of just the enjoyment and appreciation of the spectacle of it all you know i like that i like that point of view yeah yeah i think i think that's good a b plus a minus for sure but better than some of his other films better than rises dark knight rises yeah, going back and listening, or even just looking at all the movies that we talked about, it really rises as his. We didn't rate Inception. Sorry to interrupt you. I don't remember rating Inception last week or Interstellar. Um, did I, I think we did? Pretty well, sure. I, remember. I actually don't know what you guys rated Interstellar, but I like this more than Interstellar, and I like probably Dark Knight Rises more than Interstellar. In all honesty, man, we I get still like Interstellar. Who doesn't like Interstellar? Oh, you still, you still like Interstellar. I think it's awesome. I think it's amazing. And Just if, when he says, like, it's all about love, yeah, I'm like, all right. I think, a minute ago. Like, I, what I took from it was that I liked this movie more the second time. Like, like if you, Ryan, if you listen to the episode, I talked about how, how a horrible experience this movie was, like, watching in theaters. And that's why I always hated, hated that film. So I grew a new love and appreciation for Interstellar. Did you just have a rowdy audience when you saw it, or? Yeah, it was a it was a ratty audience and just some guy that was just constant that was just responding to like every thing, whether it was laughing, crying, and just like I was just like Christ, yeah, the laughing at the like the weird robot, and I'm just like I was just like, dude, it's a it's fucking up- square, <laughs> right? Exactly. He he said that exactly, but uh, oh God, really? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but why rewatching it? I would think I would rate it like. I would say, I would say like B plus, close to an A. Okay. But, but yeah, but yeah, Tenet. I'm su- Tenet. super excited for Tenet. I'm hoping that's an A plus. Judging by what I've been reading, I haven't been reading reviews, but just kind of reactions to it, I think it will be an A plus. So we'll see. Uh, Nonetheless, we'll see. it's Christopher Nolan movie. I don't want to, I don't want to have expectations for it to be his best. But right. I still, uh, I, I mean, there hasn't been a Nolan film that I don't enjoy liking. Yeah. I don't enjoy watching. You know what I mean? Exactly. But um, that just proves that just Nolan is, he's the GOAT. He's the LeBron James of the film industry. You think so? Uh, so if he's LeBron James, then who's Michael Jordan? Uh, Steven Spielberg. Would you agree with that? I don't, I guess that's fair. I, I can't, I can't say I'm the biggest I don't have the biggest knowledge about a number of directors. I just really like certain ones, you know? Yeah. yeah. I would say Magic Johnson is uh, Quentin Tarantino. It's just not accurate for era wise, but why? Well, yeah, not era. Why, yeah. why Magic wise? <laughs> I, I'm not even I sure. Like I just pulled that off the, I just pulled that off the top of my head. So I'll leave all the sports analogies to you guys. Yeah. But, but yeah. Who would, you think, who would you think is a goat? We're we're, tan- we're going on a tangent. Goat director, though. Me? Yeah. I guess someone. I mean, I don't know. Tarantino's one of my favorite directors. Not everything he makes is one hundred percent perfect, but Tarantino is one of my favorites. Uh, Nolan's definitely up there. Someone who has a perfect winning streak with me so far is Edgar Wright. Okay. 
Yeah. So, you know. So it'd be like um, current generation directors. Current generation. If we're talking current de- generations, definitely Edgar Wright. I think you can still put Tarantino on that list because he's still making films. Same with Nolan and yeah. someone who is probably not as mentioned much anymore, but who would be somebody that like in the past who has inspired these directors, who has been the most inspirational, influential. I should. Say. I really like Sam Peckinpah a lot. I know he definitely inspired Tarantino a lot, but. Uh, well, I think that that's kind of an easy one because I think Spielberg, you know, yeah. most 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 people that get into film and want to make movies is like that would be. Um, I barely hear. It'd be, it'd be Citizen Kane. Of, oh yeah, Citizen Kane. <laughs> Citizen Kane is like the is like the one movie, and um, what's what's the guy's name? Orson Welles. Yeah, Orson Welles. Mm. Like he's like the one guy that like everyone kind of pulls from, and just like because he was the first one to do it like successfully and on like a scale of like working with a company and stuff like that. So now unfortunately bankrupt the company. Too. Yeah, true. But, but, uh, it's, it's this perfect piece of art though. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I feel like every filmmaker or artist just tries to do. They just try to make that perfect piece of art. Um, I guess Sergio Leone. I know I'm pulling a lot of Tarantino inspiration here, but him definitely. Uh, yeah. I don't really have anything else to say. Uh, Happy New Year, depending on where you, uh, when people are listening to this. Ryan, have a Happy New Year. You have a Happy New Year, too? You too, Cameron? You have a Happy New Year, too, Ryan. Everyone here, Marley, have a Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy Holidays. Happy, safe New Year. And healthy New Year. I think that's going to be, healthy is going to be the key word for 2021. I'm in. I guess uh, we'll see you later. See ya.